This is Real Estate Journeys, episode 97. Hey, this is Tim Bratz, founder of Legacy Wealth Holdings. Hey, if you're looking to scale your real estate business to 100 plus units and become location independent, you've got to listen to Real Estate Journeys with my good buddy, Matthew Baltzell. Welcome to Real Estate Journeys, here to help you build your cash-flowing real estate empire that you've been dreaming of. This is about real estate investors who have escaped the soul-crushing 9-to-5 rat race by taking action, leveraging relationships, and gaining the financial independence. It's time to stop making excuses and get the insight and knowledge you need to become a successful real estate investor. This is your host, Matthew Botzell. Yo, 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 yo. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell, and welcome back to Real Estate Journeys, episode number 97. We're coming up on 100 episodes here, and I just wanted to thank everybody so far for listening. Uh, It's been quite a journey thus far, and 100 is on the horizon, so I'm very excited about that. But today's episode, we have to do first. So, uh, today's episode, we have on Tim Bratz. He's a real estate mogul. He's absolutely crushing it out there. He has over 3,000 plus units in his portfolio. He actually started with his uh, real estate investing career by purchasing a house using a credit card and a cash advance check. He has a very inspirational story, and he also talks about how he takes a single family strategy and just basically takes that same strategy and implements it into multifamily housing and he's been able to build his empire and establish a track record. So I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode and I highly recommend that you listen to the whole way through. But before we start that this episode guys, I just wanted to let you know uh you know, I know many of you guys are experiencing restlessness with you know, self-quarantine in the United States. Uh, Me here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, we're experiencing it just as much. I mean, maybe not just as much, but we are definitely under self-quarantine and things are getting very boring. So I hope you guys find this episode entertaining and knowledgeable as well. And I know many investors out there are wondering where is the real estate market going to be heading? So I have a special report there for you guys. If you want to email me, Matthew at MatthewBaltzell.com and send and mention the word report, COVID report, I will send you the report there for you on the real estate market and where they see it going in the future. So with all that said, guys, let's jump into it and welcome Tim to the show. Welcome Tim Bratz to the show. Matthew, I appreciate you having me, buddy. Yeah, brother. Glad to have you on. So uh, we had a a great pre-chat before this, and we really learned a lot about you and learned a lot about your business. So for those people that are unfamiliar with your story, could you give us a little bit of a rundown? Where are you currently recording this right now? And how do you go about your real estate business? And how did you become to the real estate empire in which you have right now? Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. And thanks for all the value and stuff that you put out there. So yeah. uh, really making a big impact. But yeah, I mean, I uh, so I mean, I got started in real estate when the market was going gangbusters, 03 to 07. Everybody's making money in real estate, you know, run to real estate because um, if you got a pulse, you can make money in that. And that's what motivated me when I was, you know, 20 year old kid. So I ended up graduating from college in 07. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally, move out to New York City for about a year. 
and uh, became a commercial real estate broker um, mm. or a real estate agent. I just brokered leases and stuff. And I brokered a 400 square foot lease and this owner uh, signed a $10,000 a month lease with this, with this uh, tenant for 12 years on 400 square feet, right? With, with escalations every year. And I'm like, holy cow, this guy's going to make, the landlord's going to make like 2 million bucks over the next Chilling. 12 years for something he did at one point in time. And that's when I really got introduced to residual income and passive income and understanding that I didn't have to trade my time for money. And I think a lot of people get involved in real estate because of that, that mailbox money. Uh, but then I, I think a lot of us, including myself, get stuck in this like transactional trap. And so mm. I decided I want to be an investor. I ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I'm coming to you from right now. And um, when I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina in 08, like I was like, I want to go, uh, I'm going to learn everything about investing in real estate. And I went through this analysis paralysis phase that I think a lot of people go through. And I'm just like, I need to learn everything. And then I realized I wasn't going to learn how to swim by reading about swimming in a book. I need to actually jump in the water, right? So I was like, I'm going to go buy a property. In 2009, I went and um, wanted to go buy a property. And that's like when the market shifted and everybody's like, run from real estate. I was like, dude, I just showed up to the party, right? What do you, yeah. what do you mean? And, uh, um, but I found the cheapest house on the MLS. I didn't have money, but I called up my credit card company, asked them to increase my limit. And I essentially bought that house on my credit card. What did card. they increase it to? From what to what? Uh, so it was $3,000 yep. uh, initially, right? Yep. And, I, and I called up my credit card company. I was like, I'm about to make a big purchase. And they said, yeah, sure. It, it, you know, I would, how much do you need? And I think probably with my finger like this, I probably <laughs> went $100,000, you know? And they said, uh, they said, you said a hundred thousand, you said a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand is, is what I asked Love for. Yeah. It. Well, wait, said, wait, wait, let me, let me stop you real quick. Do you know your credit score at this point? I, I don't know, dude. I just graduated from college. Like, a year okay. So let, let's just say like, I literally got this card after, yeah, after, um, yeah. credit or after, uh, um, I got out of Graduation. college. So yeah. I, um, they're like, Hey, you've been an amazing customer for the past, like 15 months that you've been with us. <laughs> we're not going to give you a hundred thousand dollar limit. And so they said, we'll give you 15,000. I was like, done, All right? So send it over to me. Uh, the cheapest house on the MLS at the time was 25 grand. Mm -hmm. So I just made an offer on that house and I went in at like 12. And we went back and forth. I ended up getting it for $14,000. Um, so I put that on my credit card. I had a couple thousand dollars saved up. So how do you put I, it on your credit card? You take out a cash advance and then put the money in your account or how'd you like, how'd you I go about balance? I, I asked them to give me a balance transfer check. Okay. So I said, oh, I'm going to move some money over from another card or whatever, pay out. I want to bring it over to you guys and da, da, da. And so they, they, um, they gave me a balance transfer check. And essentially, I just wrote myself a check. Uh -huh. you know? um, I didn't really have to pay off another card. It was just, yeah. I just wrote myself a check for $14,500 or whatever it yeah. was. And so um, I maxed out the card. It was like 0% you know, APR for six months. You know, it was a $200 fee. And I was able to borrow that money for 200 bucks for six months. So I, I went in. I physically did all the work. I'm, you know, YouTubing how to change out carpet and light fixtures and I'm painting and I, I'm literally paying my buddies and beer and pizza kind of thing. And, um, dude, this thing was a pig. It was absolute dumb. Yeah. And I'm, I just put lipstick on it and I went and printed out some flyers. I didn't know how to sell a house, but I printed out flyers and went to all the neighbors, knocked on their doors, handed out flyers, mm -hmm. put up some signs, held an open house. And one of the neighbors came in and offered me $33,000 for it. So, mm. um, in about, I don't know, 120 days, let's say yeah. I made, I made, uh, um, about $14,000 the most money I made biggest check I ever had at the time. And I'm like, real estate works, even though people are saying run from real estate, if you're 
you know, buying this stuff, right? Then you can make money. And so did it again, did it again, got into wholesaling, started wholesaling single family houses. Then you start meeting people who have money, right? And you meet people who have money, but they maybe don't have the, the, the time or uh, the bandwidth or the resources, like, like uh, the knowledge or skill set to go yeah. and take deals down, but they have money. Yeah. And so I met some people with money. They put up the money. I did the work figured out some sort of like a split on the, on the equity side and then just kept on doing that, man. You eventually, you know, now I, I, I know, I know a, a big, a big thing that people are always hearing is, you know, everybody's always looking for money or deals. Right. And so you obviously started attracting yourself to money. How did you go about finding those uh, first investors to start investing into your deals? Because I know people want to get into bigger deals and some people are, you know, like, analysis by paralysis or I don't have any money. Like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like if I have money, I would do more deals, but I don't have money. So I don't can do deals, but I've like, you know what I'm saying? So how do you go about? So, so I, I just read an article that says there's $2.1 trillion sitting on the sideline right now, trying to get into alternative assets, fixed assets, essentially real estate. Mm -hmm. um, there's a boatload of money out there. And and what's very, very different from when I got started is deals were everywhere. People like the banks were trying to give away houses. Like mm -hmm. if you would just come in, you could buy any of the house, but it was very hard to find money. It's totally reversed today, yep. right? It's very easy to find money, very difficult to go and find good properties. And so the market cycles like that all the time. And what I ended up doing is I just, I found really good deals and I, I went to people that, um, I, I, I essentially was wholesaling. So I knew these people had money because they were buying houses. They were rehabbers. They were flippers. They were uh, buy and hold investors. So I knew that they had money and I was selling them deals. But then it, it essentially came to a point where they, they just couldn't take on any more projects themselves. They didn't have the bandwidth. They, didn't, they, were, they were flipping four houses. They didn't want another one. But if they could kind of leverage me and my work ethic at 24 years old, then um, then they could go get a piece of the action on a deal without having to do much, right? So they put up the money and I essentially did the work. We, you know, I gave them 50% or 60% of the deal and it got me a track record and uh, um, built up my resume and, you know, uh, got the experience and it got them into making money on, on deals pretty passively. So it was a good deal for everybody involved. When you started doing that and you were giving them half of the deal, uh, what was the typical property at that point of your portfolio? What was that? What did that consist of? Was that 100 units, 50 units? What was that? No, that these you? are these are single single family, single family duplexes, quads at, at most, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so then I I get into another business that um, like more of a network marketing company and made a lot of sense at the time. Did not make any money, right? Go broke in that thing. Yeah, and I ended up like drinking the juice where I sold all my property. I only had like 10 units at the time or something when I was 25, but I was financially free. My yeah. past Passive income exceeded my monthly expenses. And so I li I'll leave that. And two of the guys from that company actually reach out to me and they're like, hey, man, we'll put up money for you to go out and essentially play Monopoly. And they put up about $1.3 million over the course of like three years. Mm -hmm. And um, I turned it into whatever, like 4 million bucks over the course of like 2012 to 2015. That partnership ended up going south and we ended up deciding to liquidate everything. And so I've been building my own portfolio since 2015, uh, August of 2015. and um, Today I'm at a little over 3,400 units, uh, about 275 million dollars of portfolio value. God damn, that's so good. 3,400 units, huh? Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and here's here's what's like that's cool, but like what is it worth? How much debt do you have on it? How much equity do you have? Right? Like that's Very really true. more important. Like what is the net worth 
what's the cash flow and all that kind of stuff. And so what I'm really proud about is that we only owe 165 million bucks to debt and equity investors. So we have mm -hmm. a lot of, of equity in our deals over a hundred million dollars worth. It's not all mine, but a yeah. good chunk of it is. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's allowed us to go out and do more deals. And, and my business model is very, uh, it's faster than the traditional syndication model. So my, mm -hmm. my model comes from single family. Cause that's what I, I grew up with is yeah. going and buying a house and being all into it for 65% of the after repair value. So when I started buying apartment buildings, I never took a class, never yeah. got educated on it. I just took the same model that I was doing in single family. I used it with apartments. And the only difference is the, the way it's valued. So a house is valued based on what, what did the thing down the street sell for and comparables yep. versus an apartment building or commercial real estate, which is all income-based and, and what's mm -hmm. the net operating income and a multiple of that. So that's all I did, man. Is I, I said, hey, I'm going to buy this apartment building. Instead of you know paying $10 million for a $10 million building, I have to be all in for 65% of that stabilized value. And I didn't hope for appreciation. I didn't speculate on appreciation. I think that's how a lot of people lose their ass uh, when the market shifts. But um, I forced appreciation. I created appreciation by putting in the sweat equity, by doing the value add improvements to mm -hmm. the properties. So I look for pretty distressed situations, distressed properties, distressed sellers, distressed management. And then we come in and we just clean the whole thing up, man. Mm -hmm. And we, we get it revalued and then we re turn around and refinance it usually in about 18 months can't like pay back our investors. They keep a little bit of equity forever. Um, but then they're like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And um, I mean, there's a lot more velocity on their money yep. and allows them to get into more deals and, and not have to go out and raise a lot of money, you know, for five years. Right. Yeah. Very true. I can recycle the same capital every 18 months. Where, uh, where did you buy your first property? How many units was that? Um, like your first so multifamily. My, your, my your first multifamily yeah. was an mm -hmm. eight, eight unit in Cleveland, Ohio. So when I went mm -hmm. broke with that network marketing company, I moved back to Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I'm from, and um, was uh, was up in Cleveland. These guys approached me, and you know, Cleveland, Ohio, you could buy super, super cheap property, especially in 2013, is 12, end of 12, beginning mm -hmm. of 13. And so <clears throat> I bought this eight unit apartment building. I was just doing like flipping houses, and I was buying single family houses for like 10 to $15,000 that were already rented for 600 bucks a month, like stupid mm -hmm. numbers. And then this, this, again, that's how the market was. And then this, this eight unit popped up on the MLS for $30,000 and they had three tenants already in it. So it was like livable, but it needed a lot of work. Uh, put another 50 G's into it. So I'm all in for 80 grand. And this thing had a net income with me managing it um, uh, was about $27,000 a year. So it was like, what is it? That's a 30%, 33% cap rate on mm -hmm. that thing. And I was still flipping houses. And I just realized that, I like the scalability of apartments. I like the, it, it met my, my ambitions and my goals better. Mm -hmm. And if I, I could still flip apartments and if it didn't sell, I don't care because I'm making 30% of my money. Right. Yeah. So versus a single family house, if, if it doesn't sell, you're getting consumed by all the holding costs on it. So I just got out of single family altogether. I focused on apartments and I just kept on trading up. I got another eight unit and then a 14 unit sold that bought 23 units and a 30 unit and then 30 unit burned down. Right. And like, yeah. all, you just go, you just go through the motions, man. You, uh, build a portfolio. And, uh, and as you build up your portfolio and you have a hundred units, then you can qualify to go buy another hundred units, right? Now you're at 200 units and you can qualify to go buy another 200 units. And you can like, it's, it's really that doubling of a penny every day. Yeah. And, uh, it's a crazy compound effect. And what would you say? What would you say the people for the people that are listening to this? What would you say your investment criteria is? Uh, so I, I buy apartment buildings only, um, hundred units or bigger. 
landlord friendly states. So a lot of my stuff's in the South, Southwest or Southeast, uh, a little bit in the Midwest. And then, um, uh, it's, it's a and B class areas. So mm -hmm. good areas when the market's good, everybody can afford that. When the market shifts, we do not get into luxury. All those luxury runners then move into more of like a workforce type mm -hmm. housing. And that's, that's where we're at. So we're, we're typically between 600 and maybe like $1,200 a month in rent in mm -hmm. that ballpark. In okay. any one of our units and, um, probably average right around 800, but we have some nicer stuff and we have some, you know, smaller units or whatever. Uh, it's probably eight, 900 bucks a month on average in rent. Yeah. And I think it's very, and, people, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, go ahead. No. Go. And, and so I, I need to be all in though at 65% of that stabilized value. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the other buying criteria. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting, you know, that people that are listening to this and they're wanting to, you know, really kind of scale up their portfolio and how specific and how, you know, you are with your investment in criteria and you kind of knew that you wanted to do, and then you kind of got some confidence and you just kept going. And I think, you know, I think you discussed this on earlier in the call before we jumped on is, you know, analysis by paralysis, right? Mm -hmm. And that like a lot of people find themselves in that, whether it's the money or the deal or the sweat, but they don't really know how to do it. But here you are, you're just pushing forward. And I feel like those are the people that really make it happen and have wind up having bigger portfolios because the yeah. people that have the money, they, they want to get involved in real estate too, but they don't know how to do it. Right. So everybody kind of needs something to like, be like, like shown the way, but the people that like forge their own path are the ones that kind of create the portfolios and they're able to help people, you know, lift them up as well. So I think yeah. that's very, very interesting. So kudos. Uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, man, where it's, you just got to go out like imperfect action is better than no action. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like it's just the people who are out doing stuff and you're going to get kicked in the balls. You're going to, you're going to lose money. You're going to have a contractor burn you. You're going to have a tenant screw up your property. You're going to like that stuff happens, but every time it does, you get sharper, you get smarter, you get stronger, you get uh, um, like, like just better at your investing. And so what doesn't work is you let one of those things derail you and you quit and you go and start a new business in a different industry. And then you get, you know, kicked in the balls over there and you move over like, and you hop around, you never actually get any advancement in whatever that industry or whatever that, that, uh, business is. Mm -hmm. And so every time that I get knocked down, I get back up and I'm a little bit smarter. I'm a little bit better. That's not going to happen to me on the next deal. And guess what? The deals that I do now are smoke show deals because I've, I've gotten screwed so many times because I've lost money yeah. uh, in certain situations. And because I didn't, walk every single unit because I didn't, you know, scope all the plumbing lines because I did, I, I uh, didn't, you know, verify collections. And I just went off the rent rolls. Right. And like all these different things where I learned my lesson big time, especially on some of the smaller buildings, it was better to learn it on those buildings than, than on one of these big buildings. But because I've gradually uh, increased my portfolio and got into bigger stuff, I don't make those mistakes on the big buildings because I learned and cut my teeth on the small stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're getting involved in, in apartments, uh, there's two ways to go. Like you can go organically, which is kind of like how I grew and just continue to grow your portfolio and get, you know, a quadplex and then a 10 unit and then a 25 unit and then a 50 unit and keep on growing it that way. Or you can go and find somebody who has experience, who's been, you know, uh, um, around the block a few times and bring them a deal, right? They can bring, raise the money. They can sponsor the loan. They can handle operations and you might get a small fraction of that deal. But think, imagine 
somebody holding your hand who owns thousands of units and educating you through that whole process. It's like an MBA, dude. It's way yeah. better than going to Wharton sure. School of Business real estate, right? Mm -hmm. So of actually going through an entire project. And so just go out and find deals. That's where the real value is right now mm -hmm. because there's plenty of money and plenty of operators out there that if you say, hey, I don't want a wholesale fee. I want 3% equity instead. They'll give you 3% equity in the deal in order to um, uh, get, get that project in their portfolio. And you can just kind of sit back, watch, be involved, maybe not be involved. And, um, and learn a little bit more about it that way. Yeah. And I think it's very important, you know, you touched on it too, like you've had some failed, uh, you know, business partnerships, but you know, especially in real estate, it's almost like a good old boys club, right? And partnerships are so key. And that's like half the reason why you're able to scale to the heights that you're at, you know, developing relationships and partnerships with your investors, developing relationships with your uh, lawyers, your, your capital raisers, blah, 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 blah. And the list goes down the line. So I think, you know, when people listen to this and I want them to know that you don't necessarily have to be the one with the money. You know, like you're saying, you can have the sweat equity. You can be an underwriter. Mm -hmm. You could be a digital, uh, you could be good at a videographer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could go to every single syndicator and you can say, listen, I have a drone. I'll shoot your properties. I'll put together a good, uh, good video for you and your investors. I you know the best angles. I can create the best photos for you, for your uh, portfolio, whatever you want. And then they'll be like, great, boom. And now you already have an in. But when you say to people, hey... Uh, hey, Tim, like, oh, you're in South Carolina. Like, I want to buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain. It's like, dude, I can buy my own coffee. <laughs> like, yeah. nope, nobody's interested, dude. <laughs> you want to see my email? Like, I don't, I don't yeah. have time. I literally, yeah. I, I, I have a beautiful family. I live in Ohio. Mm -hmm. I live in South Carolina. Like, I'm sure you're great, but yep. it, it's draining for me. So yeah, it's, you know. it's, it's what is the value that you can bring, right? Like, like mm -hmm. one, pick your brain. Like who wants their brain? picked like think just think about the wording of that right nobody's yeah. interested in that but it's like what what value can you bring to the table hey dude i will shovel shit in your front yard like whatever i need to do i'll come and work for you for free for a week or, or for like three days a week for the next year if you just educate like that's real value you know and and you or, or say hey what do i need to do in order to partner up with you you need to go bring me a deal all right go and find a deal and you will get you'll get in those opportunities are available but you know it's it's like uh, dude, and you're a helper. That's why you have a podcast to help yep. the masses, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's a way that you can give back without having to go and grab coffee and have your brain. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I do the lot a lot on social media and, and offer what I do and how I do it and try to educate people and the masses that way. But it's like from a one-on-one -on -one standpoint, it's like driving down the freeway and seeing a homeless person asking for money that we all want to help. The issue is, are they going to go and use that money to go buy food or to buy drugs? Are they going to yeah. buy a shaving kit? Or are they going to buy alcohol, right? And you don't know. And so if I'm going to go and sit down with somebody, dude, I don't know if they're going to take the information. Most people probably will take that information and not do anything with it because that's just how the statistics play out, mm -hmm. right? And so if they're going to do that, it, hopefully they do. Hopefully they actually take the information. But I think the people who will take the information, take action, will just go and find a deal, right? Or mm -hmm. they'll just, they're, they're going to come and, and offer value in another way versus just let me, let me pick your brain kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give the information, but one, I don't know if they're going to do anything with it. And if they don't do anything with it, guess what? It just took me away from my business. Mm -hmm. It just took me away from my family. It took me away from my four-year-old daughter. It took me mm -hmm. away from my two-year-old son and from my wife, right? Yeah. So, so now they're just, and, and dude, you can make more money that you give to the guy, the homeless guy on the side of the road. You cannot make more time. Yeah. You know? So you have to be very wise about how you spend your time.
And I, I think uh, to piggyback off this, I, I want to say it was Tim Ferriss. And I'm not, I'm not too sure. I don't know, but I read it in a book, and basically they were saying that if somebody wants to, you know, get a hold of them, right? Their 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 first uh, layer of screening is they say like they're not interested, right? So it's like, hey, can I, you be on my podcast? Like I'm not interested. Hey, do you want to be a general partner? I'm not interested. They just shut everybody off because. They want to see who is going to make the second effort and who's going mm-hmm. to follow up, right? Mm-hmm. So you uh, you can have the skills, right? But you have to have the per- perseverance and the tenacity. And just because you get in the room doesn't mean that like you've arrived. Because let's say you get the broker on the phone and you don't have your investment criteria and you sound like a schmuck, right? Then he's going to shut you down right there. But now let's say you have your investment criteria and you know, he sends you stuff that's not in your target market or isn't in the proper units and you don't reply to him, right? You've already, you haven't been developing this relationship. So he's mm-hmm. kind of like extended an olive branch that, hey, you know, gives you a bottom feeder deal and you just kind of like highbrow and don't even like, you might look at it and say like, dude, I want 100 to 200 units and he offered me a 40 unit. Like what the, mm-hmm. what, what the fuck is this, right? But mm-hmm. if you say, hey, Jim, you know, this doesn't work for me. Uh, this is my investment criteria. Again, he's like, okay, cool. You know, he keeps you to stay on top of the mind. So you kind of develop mm-hmm. this relationship. But too often people go in straight for the kill. It's like, hey, Tim, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. Well, what does that mean? I get what? Uh, six ounces of caffeine and I have to spend yeah. time with you. And I, it sounds bad, right? But like, and now I'm wasting time taking away from my daughter. But if you're able to add value, because here you, are, here you and I are doing this podcast, right? And especially in this digital age of you know, putting out content, you're putting it out and it's like, I do, you don't have to be there to buy me a coffee. Like, mm-hmm. give me a like, like subscribe to the podcast, yep. do something that way. And I tell people this, if they're trying to start out and they're starting to put in some sweat equity, go digital, create a podcast, mm-hmm. build a website, say the books you've read, Say the conferences you've attended. Say the relationships you have. Say blah blah blah. Be a person that's connecting because you can't you can't make that up. You can't say, "Hey, go on my website, jimsmith.com." I've written blog posts on real estate for the past week for the past two years. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to partner with you, I will immediately look at that and be like, "This guy is serious. I don't mm-hmm. want a coffee. I want to do business with him." So I yep. think people that are hearing this should really you know reiterate and think about what it is the value that they can bring. Absolutely, man. And, and and you're absolutely right. Like you don't have to, it doesn't, you don't have to go write a book, right? Like you mm-hmm. can just hop on a Facebook live and say, Hey Matthew, will you do a Facebook live with me? And let me just kind of interview you. It's going to cross pollinate my following for you. You're going to get more followers out of it. That's a value add to a lot of people, right? So now it opens them up to a new audience. It's, it's, um, and, and it's a way that you can get your attorney on a Facebook Live, your CPA on a Facebook Live, your contractor on a Facebook Live. You're walking a property with one, your acquisitions guy on a Facebook Live. Like just doing stuff like that, just giving value to other people and social media is insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. A, lot of my, a lot of my deal flow comes from social media, not from brokers. When you say social media, what platform would you say, or maybe not predominantly, but what would you say is a... Uh been successful for you youtube instagram what would yeah I'm, I'm, I'm most active on facebook just because that's like my demographic when i was going through college facebook was the big thing and that's just kind of what i stuck with um w- like my my uh team takes a lot of what i put on facebook and then they just redeploy it on youtube and linkedin bigger pockets and, and instagram and so we push it out on all the different other platforms and so we have a good following on all those things but um 
I, I think you find one one platform that you really like that you just feel comfortable with. You post there. Then you can hire an assistant or a VA to just take that and repost it in all your other social media platforms. So you don't have to be, you know, again, a lot of people overcomplicate this and they think they need all these different things in place. No, you just like post, post about something you read this morning in a book that you're reading that was impactful. Post about mm. something you heard on a podcast. Like a lot of this information just gets regurgitated anyway. Be original. Be original. Yeah. yeah. Be original. Yeah. Like, no if, joke. If you can. I, I'm yeah. just like thinking, I'm just thinking of shit off the like, top of my head. Like, uh, you know, top 24 reasons why Coca-Cola should be investing in apartment syndications. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, wow, that already sounds more interesting to me than the old drum beat adage of like yeah. the church bell ringing for the podcast. And then yeah. it's like, are you a passive investor? Are yeah, you yeah. looking to get it's yeah. like, Oh my fucking God, blow me. Yeah, like, not again, dude, like not again. Like, are you looking mm -hmm. for passive income? Are you looking for financial freedom? It's like, yeah, dude, mm -hmm. everybody is. We're all looking yeah. for deals. Like, yeah. you know, so if somebody like says something, right. That's like thought provoking about the market, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know much about real estate, but everybody's saying multifamily, but in my neighborhood here in Akron, Ohio, uh, all the multifamily houses have like boarded up windows. I'll take you yep. on a tour. Like people will be like, that's more interesting than regurgitating yep. the same stuff that we're probably saying on this podcast or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you you know that you're actually out doing deals. You're walking properties and, and you're taking a video around with you. Even if it's just like a Facebook live on your phone, like it shows that you're doing deals. It gives you a lot of credibility amongst your, your followers and people who are, who are friends with you on Facebook. Dude, it opens you up for all sorts of different opportunities. A lot of people get into this stuff and they're like, they don't want to tell anybody that they're a real estate investor because in case it doesn't work. Well, like, dude, first of all, it's real estate. Real estate freaking works. You know, like yeah. there's a couple of rules, always buy at a wholesale price, right? Never pay retail, never speculate, buy for cash flow. Um, you know, you stick to a couple of those, those rules, you're going to be in pretty good shape. If you're always at a low enough basis, you can screw up and still be able to sell it or refinance it or, or creatively get yeah, exit the property somehow. But like, just, just start interviewing other people. If you don't have the, the knowledge and the skill set, just grab somebody from your team, grab, grab one of your, you know, uh, um, your, your power team, your, again, like your attorneys, your contractors, your, your, you know, laundry machine vendors, your, uh, exterminator, like, I don't care, property managers, um, whoever, and just start interviewing people, just give value somehow, ask them questions and it's going to educate you and it's going to be beneficial for them because they're going to get extra followers or, you know, they like to help and your people are going to get a lot of value. And all of a sudden, you know what happens? Hey, you know what, Matthew, I, I got this deal that I don't know what to do with, man. I'm a single family investor, but I came across this 48 unit apartment building. Dude, is this something that you might be interested in? Hell yeah. Why don't you send it over to me? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to get deal flow from it. You're going to get money flow from it. and um, you might, I don't know, partner up on operations, get better at operations. Like there's a lot of different things that, um, that come from, or, or people asking you to coach them, people asking you to mentor them, people wanting to joint venture on deals with you. Like dude, there's, there's limitless opportunities that, that can come from just sharing on social media and kind of what, what spins from that. Very cool, man. I love it. I love it. Well, with that said, I want to transition and close out with the three closing questions. First question we have <laughs> is what is a pain point or weakness you face right now in your business? Um, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to acquire properties and then executing on properties is a whole nother story. Everybody thinks, Oh, if I can just take this building down, dude, that's the tip of the iceberg. It's 10% of the total thing. Now somebody's got to manage it. Somebody's got to renovate it. Somebody has to 
asset manage the management company for the next decade or, or 20 years that you own this thing. Like that's when the real work starts. And so um, we're really good at taking down properties and we're really good at buying them at the right value. And um, we're, we're, we're refining and continuously refining our operational side of things and trying to figure out how can we scale more into like bigger stuff? Cause um, you know, it's kind of like everything that we're doing, uh, like we've mastered up to 25, $30 million deals. Mm. Um, we can, we can do that in our sleep and operationally it's easy, easy, easy. You know, we have access to a lot more capital now and I'm like, how do I get into a hundred million dollar deal? How do I get into a $150 million mm. deal? And what does that operationally look like? And so I'm just trying to like navigate that and learn about that. And at the end of the day, dude, I just got to go and buy a hundred million dollar property. Love it. Love, 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 love the big thinking. Love the big thinking. All right. Second question is what is your favorite book to regift? 12 pillars by Jim Rohn. Mm, okay. Easy All book. Right. It's only like a hundred pages. It, it's super easy to read. You'll, you'll knock it out in two sittings and it's packed with these profound principles on just building a good life. It's awesome. Mm, I love Jim Rohn. All right. Third question is if you were to live abroad for one year, where would you live and why? I love Europe and I really love um, Greece. I love Greece. the food. I love, I love mm. the people. I love the culture. Um, I mean, the, the Mediterranean is just absolutely beautiful. And so I would, I would hop on a sailboat and just sail oh. around the, the Greek islands for a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I went, uh, where did I go? I went to, uh, Kavos, Kavos. Uh, I went to an Island, not, not, not one of the, not, not, it was a bigger Island. I can't even remember it now. This was a long time ago. Like, not like Santorini or, or no, 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 no. not those ones. Those. It was like, if you're yeah. like looking like the kind of like the thumbs is like to the left. It was like yeah. uh, pa by Paxos, like there's two Paxos islands, yeah, yeah. and then it's the bigger one uh, by Albania over there. I forget what it's yeah. called. But uh, yeah, Greece is amazing. That'd be so cool. Dude, the, the, yeah, the food's insane. The weather's beautiful. The people are so friendly. Like I remember going over there, man. I, I sailed when I was in college. I studied abroad over there, and it was like mm -hmm. I, I didn't speak lick of Greek. And mm -hmm. we, I remember we ported. We were actually sailing around on some sailboats. Um, a few, like, I don't know, 30 of us. Yeah. And so we had like, I don't know, six sailboats of five people each and we get into port and we just go in. And I remember this Greek guy just waves me over. He's like, dude, here, uh, 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 and just like, he couldn't speak <laughs> English. I couldn't speak Greek. And we sat there dude for like six hours laughing yeah. and, and like crying. And he's like playing music and we're like dance, dude. It's just like, it's, it's this universal language of laughter and smiling mm -hmm. and hugging and music and it was just, it's an amazing experience and really, really good people there. So love it. Uh, love it. I love that area. Very cool. What's Tim, what's the best uh, way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm active on social media, friend me up on Facebook, hit me up there. And um, I put a, a lot of, a lot of content out there on, you know, deals that I'm doing. I do case studies and breakdown stuff and a lot of personal development, a lot of mindset type stuff, share a lot of resources. So yeah. Friend me up on Facebook and um, let's definitely connect. I appreciate that. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Tim. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. We'll catch you on the next go around, my friend. Brother, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for all the value and content you put out there. Likewise. Hey guys, thank you for listening to today's episode. It's greatly appreciated. I hope it was able to assuage some of your boringness of being home and being self-quarantined. But I want you guys to take it one step further now and do one last thing for me. Please go on iTunes, click the link in the description, and leave a five-star review for the show. It's greatly appreciated, and it helps us keep going. Much love, guys. Catch you on the next go-round. Peace.